Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcadia Economics on Tuesday, June 14th. One day after quite a bit of market chaos where the Fed is raising interest rates, uh, asset markets not responding too well to that. Although fortunately to dig through some of these as well as the latest producer price inflation report, which clocked in almost a new record today, except for uh, we had earlier this year an even higher mark. But as you can see here, um, wholesale prices rose 10.8% in May, near a record annual pace. And uh, things not getting any less expensive. Again, you can see monthly gain was in line with estimates slightly off of the record 11.5% hit earlier this year. Although we take a look at the silver market here in the Kitco chart, you can see despite all the theatrics of the last day or so where quite a sell off on Monday, silver down about a buck, although flat on the day despite that news, here looking at investing.com, they market 35 cents down, although depending on where you're marking from, you can see rather flat. And to dig into all of this today, fortunately, I am joined by my good friend Rob Keens of Gold Silver Pros, who has been studying this for about a decade, writing about it, then the steps that would lead to this long before it happened. So Rob, welcome on in. It's great to have you here today. How's everything going with you? Going very well, Chris. Thanks for having me back on. I appreciate it. Always uh, a pleasure to be on your program and to talk to your viewers. Well, it's great to have you back. And how about to start off just to get the, the action going? I'll give you a quick quote of Joe Biden's inflation plan, which seems a little counterintuitive, but some of you may have seen this. Uh, here's Joe. And we have Joe freezing. So we'll come back to that. But hmm. Rob, what do you think is happening with silver? You have a, some divergent factors where interest rates are going up. Now they're calling for a 75 basis point hike in uh, tomorrow's meeting. Goldman calling for another 75 basis points hike. So inflation still soaring, more rates coming. Where does that leave us? Well, the first answer, silver, silver was doing just fine uh, as of late, uh, hanging around that, you know, $22, $23 price mark. But then volume has spiked up um, last Friday and this past Monday. And of course, when volume spikes up on silver in the derivative markets, it's always a short. And so the prices have been coming down. I'm looking at Monday's data on the COMEX uh, let me get the uh, settlement price. Monday's data on the COMEX, 94,000 contracts closed at an average price of 21.25. And then on Friday, it had closed at 21.925. So you're seeing the last two to three trading days, the shorts coming in and hammering silver. Why would they do that? I don't know. Perhaps because they, you know, the legitimate hedgers, the producers may think there's downside price risk, perhaps. But I think that's the market just reacting to what's going on and, and basically everything's selling off. The one positive here is that gold and silver, even though they're weak today, have sold off year to date since January 1, much less than the other markets. Uh, gold is just trading slightly below where it was to start the year uh, by a few bucks, but net net, not bad. Silver's down a little bit, net net, not too bad. Uh, it's more volatile, so it's going to fluctuate up and down a little bit more. 
but it's nowhere near what's going on with the crypto markets. It's nowhere near what's going on with bond rate spiking. I think the 10-year is like 3.45 at the moment. We had a yield curve inversion. Uh, God, I think I woke up at two in the morning yesterday and saw the yield curve inversion between the two and the 10-year just briefly, where the two-year had a higher interest rate than the 10-year, which is abnormal. It's opposite of normal. The stock markets are getting obliterated. Uh, Netflix is getting hammered so much so that there was an article out in CNBC today that Netflix is going is to is stop doing all the wonderful things it was doing around. Um, it, they're not going to release full content. They're going to do the pilot like the TV stations do. They're, they're going to a TV station model because their subscriber count's not growing. So they're going to add advertising in. You know, a, a lot of these growth companies, these tech companies that were doing so well and were living off of easy money and had great subscriber counts, we get a little bit of inflation in the economy. People have to scale back and all of a sudden, you know, they have to change their model. Netflix got hammered and have to change their model. And so a lot of that's coming. I, and it's not just, there's a lot to talk about here. It's not just inflation is rising. The quality of service is coming down. That's why I give the Netflix example. The quality of, of service is coming down. So in light of all that, uh, some people have written me and commented on social media that they're worried about gold and silver. I'm like, I'm not worried about gold and silver at all. Given what's happening everywhere else, gold and silver are really doing just fine. And, and the last little note there is during a market correction, everything sells off, including the gold and silver derivative markets at first. Usually gold and silver are the first to recover. So I'm expecting gold and silver to go back up after you know, the, the liquidation sell-off is done. I don't think this is where we're stopping. I think gold and silver will rebound uh, to the upside, especially if the Fed is intent on raising interest rates, gold and silver are going to have to go up because where else are you going to put your money? It's not going to be the stock market. It's not going to be in bonds. You're not going to buy bonds. You have bonds, you're trying to get rid of them. Right now with interest rates rising, that works against you from a price perspective. Uh, are you going to go in the stock markets? You know, or are you going to buy Netflix and hope it goes back up again? I don't know. You know, I, I don't see where else you really go. You're not going to, I mean, you could buy Bitcoin, but it's 70% down. Uh, do you have a whole lot of confidence in, in Bitcoin right now as a safe haven? I'm not, you know, a 70% move. I'm not sure I do. Yeah. And like you point out, it, it makes it a difficult environment because what are the alternatives? Mm -hmm. And then if you take a step back and think about the current financial system where the Fed lowers interest rates, prints money to make things great. They never mentioned, hey, once we take all that money away, things are going to have to come down. So not an easy environment. And like you point out yesterday, we see the volume 113,000 contracts. That's about 650 million ounces of silver, digital silver mm -hmm. that traded, dominating that price. Um, and we'll see how the paper goes there. So far, I've heard bullion physical bullion sales have slowed a little bit but yeah. uh, purchases rather but it's not as if people are selling their metal and as you quite accurately pointed out here's the u.s 10-year what a day yesterday we, we see the close on friday 3.16 percent up almost 30 basis points in two days up again today with mm -hmm. the high producer price inflation so like you said not a lot of alternatives and where is that money going to go yeah, I, I don't know where it goes. So I, I think it does go in the metals. And I think that's why the metals have held up. We're, we're talking about the, always the first part of a correction is a sell-off event, a liquidity event. People got to get liquidity. So they'll sell stuff off. They'll go to cash. Maybe they're getting margin. Some people are getting margin called. Uh, people that aren't as affluent may just need the money to pay rent, you know, and groceries and stuff like that. So there's always a liquidation. 
the fact that Gold and Silver are holding as well as they are means that not everybody's selling. A lot of the people that have derivative positions in the COMEX and in London are keeping a lot of that paper. You know, it's not as broad of a sell-off. And I think it's because they know the pattern is it should go back up after you get this the initial sell-off. And I think that's why the precious metals are selling off less. And from a physical standpoint, you know, I get more and more people come into to me every day. Where do I buy a physical precious metal? How do I store it? So, you know, just for my anecdotal evidence, I don't see people saying, Rob, should I sell right now? They're like, no, I need to buy more because I don't think anybody believes this is where the, the metals are going to end up. Again, especially if we're at the end of this 12-year bull market in, in the stocks and in the economy. And, uh, you know, we need two quarters of negative uh, GDP data to show a recession or negative growth data to show a recession. I think we're going to get that second. We've already got the first one. I think we're going to get that second one this year because I don't see how you couldn't have it with the Fed raising rates. And also in June 1, they're supposed to start running off their balance sheet a little bit, or at least reducing their uh, treasury purchases. So with those two things together, you know, how, how would you be, be positive about, you know, the overall stock market and, and those types of assets? I don't think you can. So I, I think, yes, there's a sell-off, but I think the pressure mills will come back faster and stronger. Now, as to where the prices go, that depends on how bad the broad market sell-off is. I don't know if I consider this the big, big crash. I think looking at it from an Austrian economics perspective, we've got one more melt-up and then we have the deflationary issue and then we have the Fed printing, I think is probably what's going to happen. But I do think that this very strong pullback this year is directly related to inflation, the Fed's response to inflation with interest rates, and the reaction of the corporates, which had less than stellar earnings over the last quarterly cycle, put all those things together. And it just seems like we're in a lengthy tightening cycle. And yeah, tomorrow will be really big. If the Fed raises it three quarters of a percent, then uh, I think that's what people are pricing in. But I think the after effects of that are going to be continued selling off in, in these other markets. Yeah, it, it's going to be an interesting day tomorrow, especially because even with the Fed raising interest rates, we're still seeing inflation higher than expected, which I think is starting to sink in even to the mainstream a bit. I mean, a lot of the talk shows that are not Austrian based, you know, comedy shows, they're talking about inflation and regular headline. Here you see something the Fed looks at a lot, expectations for inflation and spending hit record levels in May. So I don't know if the expectations is what really counts rather than what actually happens, but you see that happening. You see here, fixed rate mortgage up to 5.87%, increasing 36 basis points compared to this time last week. On Friday, when the CPI came out, some of the MBS contracts went no bid. And like you point out, now mm -hmm. we have the Fed talking about raising interest rates three quarters of a point, which kind of changed very quickly yesterday. All of a sudden, <laughs> Steve Leisman, I don't know if he's sitting in the meetings or something, but Central bank policymakers are entertaining the idea of a 75 basis point hike, according to Steve Leisman. It, it seemed odd all of a sudden JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, CNBC are all changing. And now we see the Fed funds futures rate pricing that in. So what, what else can we expect to happen? I mean, it's, it leaves a very difficult situation here. Yeah, it's funny how what I call the mainstream media, I call it the scream meter um, when the screaming meter says they want something, how a lot of times the policymakers 
or the Fed will accommodate. It'd be interesting to see whether the Fed does accommodate that. And I don't know, what was it like four or five days ago when they started seriously talking about 75 basis points? It's like, it, like you said, it came out of nowhere. Who originated it? It's all over media now. And why would you be calling for that if you're the mainstream media? Like, what is your motivation? Or are they more afraid about inflation that they just want the Fed to hike uh, and willing to deal with the pain? And maybe they're not considering the longer term effects of how this is going to affect, you know, the general person. And we've got to remember, Chris, most people in the United States don't have big stock portfolios, even in their 401k. This is an interesting data point. It's mostly the upper couple of tiers of income earners have big, big stocks, big real estate. So, you know, the people that will be adversely affected or more heavily affected by any pullback in the market and also in a reduction of the purchasing power through inflation are going to be you know, the majority of people, the, the bottom two thirds of people that live here. So I, I find it somewhat disingenuous that you, you have the mainstream financial media, most of which are populated by wealthy individuals you know, calling for certain policies when, the, when it's going to hurt the majority of, of Americans. I think it's going it's to eventually come anyway, but I just find it disingenuous that they're the ones, you know, saying this is what we need to do um, when, when they're least likely to be affected by it, I guess. Well, I hear you, Rob. And speaking of disingenuous officials, uh, I got two of them here for you that I, I think are worth touching on. So here's the first one. And this was a, a little, about a month ago, but in terms of if Joe Biden has inflation under control, let's see what he had to say about it. Uh, Joe is still freezing. Well, we'll come back to him yet. Let's go to Ben Bernanke, another mainstream source who has a new book out. And I'm going to play a couple of his comments. Uh, there's three small segments here. We'll get a maybe lightning round reaction, but let's, let's take this first one here. We also talked uh, with Bernanke about the chances of a recession. Here's what he had to say. The more the Fed has to tighten in order to get inflation down, the bigger the chance of a recession and the more severe it will be. What? This is the guy <laughs> who started this whole mess, and he's saying the more they tighten, the higher the chances of a recession, and the more severe it will be. And now they're hiking 70, Goldman's calling for 75 basis points this month and next mm -hmm. month. You so think Goldman front, front ran that call in their trading positions before they made it, Chris? Well, I mean, we found out that the Fed governors were doing exactly that last year. Mm. And again, we still have these same people in charge. But if you take a uh, go a little bit further here at the 113 mark, listen to what else Ben has to say. Well, slow demand. But as Jay Powell has pointed out, the economy is pretty strong. We're not going into recession as often as the case with a troubled economy. In fact, the underlying economy, as we recover from the pandemic, is quite strong. We have a very strong labor market, for example. They're watching it melt down. The same exact conditions of MBS contracts going no bid that led to his quantitative easing are happening now. And he's sitting there saying, oh, well, Jay Powell says the economy is strong. Well, Jay Powell also said inflation was contained. <laughs> it was transitory, Chris. <laughs> Although, how is this going to be resolved? Let's, let's hear that one. I guess that I still tend to believe that some of these forces uh, pushing up inflation, like the supply chains, like the preference for durable goods over services, um, and some of the commodity price increases, gas prices, and so on, uh, that they will at least stabilize and begin to moderate uh, sometime during this year. 
which would mean that inflation will come down to some extent, let's say by itself, but without the Fed's direct intervention. Rob, so far that hasn't happened. And I would say two 75 basis point hikes over the next five or six weeks would, would count as Fed intervention. What, what, what do you say to that? Anything the Fed does with interest rates is intervention. Uh, it's intervention in the economy because they're the central bank. And when you have a central bank issuing fiat money, everything you do is going to affect the economy. So everything they do with regard to interest rates and accommodated policy, you know, purchasing debt, monetizing debt, that, that's interference. That, that's the thought I had too. Although fortunately, I think we have Joe finally queued up. We'll give him one more shot to see if there's uh, any answers coming from the executive branch. And I agree with what Chairman Powell said last week, that the number one threat is the strength, and that strength that we build is inflation. So the Fed should... So he's basically citing inflation as a strength. If that's the case, then, I mean, job well done, but it's to the point where, I mean, maybe I am picking on him a little bit, but the commentary coming out, it's just beyond silly. Mm. It is. I mean, you know, I, I don't think there's anything they can really do, to be honest with you. Um, this is the end of, of this cycle, the fiat cycle, or we're near the end. I don't know if we're exactly at the end, but there's nothing they can do. It, they need to raise interest rates to have some policy tools and the next recession comes, but they're going to cause a recession by raising interest rates. So they're at the point at which no matter what they do, uh, you know, you're going to have the correction probably turning into a severe recession, depending on how far they take it. And not only is, is the Fed involved, you know, when you look at the global fiat system, you know, everybody uses our dollars for reserve currency, right? Even though there's de-dollarization going on, still plenty of, of dollars out there in euro dollar accounts. In fact, I think the foreign held reserves of U.S. currency is higher than the domestic held reserves, if, if I recall correctly, by quite a bit. So dollars are out there everywhere. And it's, you know, the value of the dollars can affect the quality of life of everybody that holds them. And then on top of that, you got all the other currencies that are debased because all the central banks now are doing the same thing. It's not like one central bank is really independent and says, I want to do something else. China's doing the same thing. India's doing the same thing. European central bank's doing the same thing. <laughs> so where do we land? Is there, is there a chance for what they call a quote unquote soft landing where it's not as bad, you know, and, and we deal with some pain and then we recover and then we keep going along the same path. How could you have a soft landing when the entire world's doing this? And we're at the point at which all of these currencies are breaking. I mean, look at Argentina, look at Turkey, look at Brazil and Venezuela, uh, look at Russia. And what's happened to all of these currencies that, you know, are direct trading partners with the U.S. And because they don't have the world reserve currency, they're getting it first. And the only question is, when does that come to the dollar? Uh, well, I tell you when it comes to the dollar, because everybody's de-dollarizing, it's when all those foreign held dollar reserves called euro dollar accounts come back to the US. Then you, then you have the recipe for hyperinflation because now you have a, a tremendous amount of money bidding on less goods because of supply chain problems and because of uh, you know, deflation, which I think, I think we're gonna hit, uh, economic deflation, economic output deflation, which we're gonna hit in a recession. So it, it's not, you know, there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere for them to go. They, they can't rely on other central banks or other countries to absorb you know, our inflationary policies anymore because they're not, they've decided already they're not. 
So, you know, a lot of people are calling for like a Japan style stagflation. I don't see how that happens when you got China, Russia, and the other BRIC nations dumping dollars and treasuries as fast as they can. I don't, I don't see that happening. And, and again, it's going to affect everybody because everybody holds US treasuries and dollars is going to be affected. So nobody wants this to happen. That's why everybody's going along with the program. But what can they do? There, there's no policy tool that's ever been tried before that I'm aware of that, that they could that they haven't tried that they could break out at this point. I, so I don't know where they go. Well, we know darn well where they're going to go is back to the printing presses. And Rob, last one for you, pulling up the gold chart one last time. Uh, before yesterday's sell-off, still around 1875, even despite the interest rate hikes, Putin has been invoking gold as money, I might add. This is not conspiracy theory anymore. We're mm -hmm. seeing central banks buying gold. So despite everything that's happened, gold's still not far off from its all-time high. I know silver, you know, well off of its all-time high, but to me, maybe it'd be different if gold were down at $900 or $1,000. But I mean, we're still seeing demand for gold. It's not as if people are saying, all right, cryptos is definitely the new thing of the future. And we're seeing that in the gold price, which at least makes uh, helps some of those days where we see silver sinking a little bit. What do you, what do you say there? Yeah, and that's kind of what I was alluding to at the beginning. Everything that people want to put forth as the next money or the asset of Safer's Zor, however you want to characterize it, it's not doing so hot right now. And gold and silver, like I said, are holding up quite well with respect to everything else. And so it becomes very relative. Yeah, gold and silver down a little bit, but you have to look in itself like this. You have to look at it relatively speaking. Relatively speaking, and I put a chart on Twitter a couple of days ago, gold to Bitcoin. Gold is smashing it to Bitcoin. You know, even silver, which is down a little bit more than gold, is smashing it to the crypto complex. I, I think that the crypto complex was at 1.3 trillion and now it's a trillion. Over the, and they've lost two trillion over the last, what, six, seven months? I mean, I, uh, is that money? No. Is it a safe haven asset? No, not yet. Maybe it could be in the future. It isn't yet. Certainly not stocks. Maybe if you have some income producing real estate, you're okay today. If you're in an area with, you know, because rents are going up. So, may, you know, maybe some income producing real estate. But other than that, I mean, the easiest one for the average person to guess, just get, get some gold and silver. That's easiest. It doesn't have any counterparty risk. Uh, you don't have a lot of reporting requirements and you know, until you want to take your capital gains from selling it. But other than that, it's one of the easiest and safest things to own. And that's why it's performing so well. Well, I appreciate that, Rob. And perhaps in wrapping up, you could just let folks know where they could find you. Uh, certainly not the easiest time to figure these things out, although I appreciate you being a voice of reason. And mm -hmm. of course, you also have a YouTube channel where they can find that. So could you let folks know where to go? Yeah, you can hit our website at goldsilverpros.com and our YouTube and Twitter and Rumble and BitChute and Gab and all of those outlets. All those alternative outlets were on there as well. And pretty soon we're also going to start a TikTok channel. So that'll be fun. Well, that's where you can find Rob, goldsilverpros.com or goldsilverpros on YouTube. And Rob, I sure appreciate you checking in as always. It's been too long, so I'm sorry about that, but great to have you back on. And uh, before we wrap up, just would like to mention that today's show was brought to everyone by Raina Silver, who's basically looking for high grade, high district scale assets that can survive even lower silver prices are big enough that you can get a couple cycles out of that. And to find out more about their latest drilling program that they announced recently, well, that link is in the description field below and there'll also be a video coming your way soon. 
So with that said, thank you, Rob. Appreciate you checking in and we'll look forward to doing this again soon. Yeah, I look forward to it, Chris.